Bray just pounding time off the clock. 15 seconds left in the game. Now 10 seconds left to shoot. 55 all the score. Bray still out near center court. Five seconds to shoot. Gray, long three, no good. Yes. Battle for the rebound. And he's fouled. Fouled by Clark. Fouled by Zana. Yes. Two free throws coming for Gary Clark with 4.3 seconds to go as he rips down his 12th rebound of the game. Dan, Gary Clark rebounded that ball at its apex. He caught it at the top of the square on the glass with two hands and got pushed from behind. Now Gary Clark needs to deliver at the free throw line. Clark for the lead with 4.3 seconds to go. He looks calm as he stares at the rim. Now dribbles twice, puts up the shot. It is yes. good. Cincinnati by one, 56-55, 4.3 to go. Welcome back. So, I'm out of town this week, and Aaron is out of town this last weekend. So, we recorded an interview last week that we think you will all enjoy. Um, we reached out to Robert Land of Houston Sports Talk uh, podcast um, there in Houston uh, to ask him some questions about, you know, our, our boy Gary Clark. Um, hope you enjoy the interview, and make sure you check him out at HST Podcast on Twitter, and here's the interview. So, one of two special guests for you tonight. We do have Robert Land, who is a host for Houston Sports Talk Podcast. Uh, you can follow that at HST Podcast. Um, he also happens to host Locked On Texans, uh, which follows the Houston Texans. You got like what 26 years in television and broadcasting currently producing for cbs so um anything else you want to add to that robert that sounds good it, it, when i hear 26 years god i'm old jeez <laughs> <laughs> well we do thank you for uh taking some time out of your night to be with us here um so just real quick kind of getting started um uh, how excited were you about landing gary clark via undrafted free agency yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know much about him, but, you know, it's so important for the Rockets to have somebody that has that 3 and D capability because, I mean, after last year, uh, they lost Trevor Reza and Luke Mbamute, and those guys are so crucial in the current NBA. I mean, it's, I mean anybody that's following the NBA right now, the 3 and D guys, they're like finding gold, and, and that's why – you need somebody that can do the type of stuff that he was doing. And last year, Trevor Reason, Luke Mbamute were the reason, big reasons why you felt like you could compete with Golden State and you could handle the switching defense because, I mean, Golden State, with all the weapons that they've got, uh, you need guys that can play multiple positions defensively. And, and that's where somebody like Gary Clark is so valuable. I, I guess the thing so far is just really surprised at how comfortable He's been. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm just amazed that he looks like a veteran out there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I feel like, something that you get when you have a four-year senior who does go to the NBA in the natural course setting as opposed to making the jump early. 
Um, so you kind of touched on a little bit here. Uh, what do you feel that Gary's done a better job, or who do you, who do you feel that Gary's done a better job filling in for between uh, Luke Mbamute, uh, Trevor Reza, both being those two-way players, um, or even most recently Carmelo, who, to be quite honest, once you had Gary Clark's emergence, it seems like he just didn't have a place on this team. Yeah, and the thing with Carmelo, I don't know if it's, I don't know if he didn't have a place. I feel like he he didn't have a place in playing like he wanted to play. He wanted to be a guy that was a major player that was going to be playing guaranteed thirty minutes a game. And my guess is that the Rockets just didn't think that they could do that. They couldn't promise him that um, with how things were going at that point. And I don't know. I I sort of felt like they should have let it played out play out a little bit more with Carmelo and maybe not give him 30 minutes a game. Maybe, I mean, I don't know if that would have been a problem, but maybe back it up to 25 minutes a game or something like that, or, or 23 minutes a game. If you could get away with doing that and not, you know, bruise his poor ego, I guess. But, you know, that's the thing with Carmelo. I, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. It's hard to really know without being there. And so I think, but Gary Clark is, you know, Obviously, without Gary Clark, I don't think they would have felt comfortable with walking away from Mello because Michael Carter-Williams can't shoot. I mean, they, they get him in the offseason, and I didn't understand it at the time. Everybody knew his his problem in the NBA was that he couldn't shoot uh, threes. He couldn't shoot from outside. And, and so uh, Gary Clark made a huge difference. And, and, and he just you can't express how enough, how much, how uh, it means to have a guy that can do what Gary Clark can do uh, for the Rockets because he allows you to play uh, him at the, either the three or the four. He can play different positions. He can switch off. He can do all the stuff that we see with P.J. Tucker. And, I, and the big surprise to me as I watch him, not only is the fact that he looks like a veteran out there, but you know he's somebody that not only can play defense, but – he plays defense at the rim. I mean, that's something that you weren't going to get from Trevor Ariza. Blocking shots was not part of Trevor Ariza's game. And Luke Mute, he was okay at that. He, he wasn't bad either, but Gary Clark has also been able to rebound too, which is big for the Rockets because when you're playing small lineups, to have somebody that can get in there and grab a board, it, it's a big thing. And the fact that, and, and you guys know this, he, he played center at, at Cincinnati. I mean, right. that's, that's something where if you're playing center, you know, in college basketball, you're the one that people are looking at the rebound. And that's been a big part of his game, too. And I guess that was a surprise to me. I was expecting, oh, he's going to be a 3 and D player. Hopefully he can shoot. Um, and that's what he's done so far. He's he shot real well. And even though the percentage isn't exactly where you would want it at this point with the Rockets from three, what I've noticed more than anything is his confidence. I mean, this is a guy – that is a rookie in the NBA, and he's out on the floor with Chris Paul and James Harden and Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, and he doesn't seem to be intimidated by the moment. And I'm old enough to remember the Rockets' championship years very well with <laughs> Sam Cassell and Robert Ory. And Ory came in in 1994, Thanks, and he wasn't, he didn't play as a guy that was, uh, you know, he didn't play as, as like a rookie. He had the confidence of somebody much more than that. And everybody knows now about Robert Ory's confidence after hitting big shot after big shot. Big shot Bob had that confidence. And Sam Cassell, I mean, he walked in there like he owned the place. And, you know, I, I wouldn't 
you know, I wouldn't tell anybody that, oh, yeah, Gary Clark, he looks like Sam Cassell because <laughs> that guy had a confidence that, you know, nobody has in the NBA practically. Right. And, uh, but, but Gary Clark, you know, when they throw the ball to him, the, the lack of hesitation in, in his shot, that's what's amazing to me right now as, as a rookie, not just as a rookie, but early on in, in games two, three, four, five, and six in the season. So that I believe that comes from his mom. I remember his freshman year here in, in Cincinnati. He was uh, he was ready to leave the team. He couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, he, he didn't like how Cronin yelled. Uh, he didn't. He didn't feel like he was catching on to the game. And he called his mom up and said he was going to leave. And his mom said, "No, you're not. You're going to stay there. You're going to ask questions. And Coach Cronin's going to make you a better person when you ask those questions and you listen and take his advice." So that I think that confidence came after his after his first year here in college. What a big difference it makes to have a guy that's been around for four years, too. I mean, I think that is a huge thing. And I, I go back to something that Bill Simmons brought up that was a really brilliant idea. And the NBA should have tried to incorporate this idea. And, and I don't know if it's something that they would, would even think about, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, he said, instead of where no matter if you're what kind of rookie you are, if you're a, come come out as a freshman or you come out as a senior, you got to wait five years, you know, to get that next contract. And what his idea was to say, look, if if you come out after your freshman year of college, then yeah, you get you got to wait five years for that next contract. Mm-hmm. If you come out as a sophomore, you've got to wait four years. If you come out as a junior, you got to wait three, and and it goes down with each year that you stay. So you have an incentive to stay in college just because you realize you go. I, I don't have to wait um, necessarily that five years if I come out as a junior or a senior. I don't have to wait as long, and so I can get to that bigger money that free agency allows um, if I do play well early on. I mean, it's but maybe the owners would say, "Oh, we don't want that." But to me, if you're in an NBA organization, it behooves you to have these guys have incentive to come out later and to invest in these guys. If they, you know, it might only give them one more year, make them think to say one more year as a, as a sophomore or, or even two as a junior, but it gives you that opportunity to, to have them come in a little bit more fully formed because we see over and over again that the guys are just, they're, they're better when they come out if they wait, if they come out, you know, as a junior or a senior and even maybe even after their sophomore season, they look a little bit more polished and you don't have to, you know, send it down to the G League and wait and wait and wait. And maybe they never get that polish that they would need in time. You know, maybe they're, it, it, the teams just don't have the patience to wait. And, you know, sometimes they can go to Europe or something like that, make some money and maybe gain right. some polish there. But a lot of times, you know, they just get caught up in the mix and it's never the same. And, you know, that, that's the benefit of having a guy like Clark that's, you know, been there the whole four years and, and you know, kind of understands – what it's like to play in big moments in college. Because if you're a freshman, you, you might get a, a couple of big moments, but, you know, he's got four years' worth of big moments. That's yeah. the difference between Gary Clark and Markel Fultz. I mean. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, For sure. Another Bearcat, I mean, Lance Stevenson, I mean – he went right after his freshman year. He mm-hmm. went into the NBA. He he sat on that bench for at least three years, and he was playing for the Mad Ants at one point, I believe. Yeah, and now he's finally mm-hmm. now he's finally you know making uh, big numbers in the NBA. So, speaking of the yeah, team, you just look you just look at the Rockets. Marquise Chris is somebody that the Suns drafted. 
And I, I don't know. I don't think this guy is ever going to get there. And he just—he looks like somebody that needs a lot more coaching, and he needs a lot more hands-on experience from what college coaches can give you. That because uh, once you're in the NBA, I mean, Gary Clark—he's not getting a ton of this stuff because they don't practice hardly at all in the NBA. I mean, you've got to rest guys so they can have legs, so they can last the season. And especially with the Rockets, who, you know, they're planning to be playing in May and hopefully June. And if you're the Rockets, you just, you're, you're basing everything that you do around the fact that you got to have legs at that time of the season. And I mean, we thought it, it came to fruition last year. Game seven, it's the Western Conference Finals. And they're like, you know, oh, for a billion from three point range. And that's, <laughs> that's having legs at that point of the year. And, and the thing that hurt them right there was that the rotation got shortened and the rotation got shortened in the playoffs because Mbamute, as much as everybody nationally has said, oh, the Rockets, they're off to this slow start and they should have signed Luke Mbamute. Well, he had two shoulder separations in the last few months of the Rockets season. He barely played uh, in the playoffs. I mean, he wasn't a factor at all. And then the last 20 to 25 games of the regular season might have been more. He either didn't play or he wasn't playing well because he was concerned about that shoulder. And Gary Clark, you know, if he doesn't have a shoulder issue, then you got him at towards the end of the yeah. season. Now the big concern with somebody like Gary Clark, a rookie, a lot of times they they'll hit a rookie wall, and will will they be able to keep their legs as the season goes along? But he's not a superstar. He's not con- considered to be somebody that they're going to have to play barring injury, knock on wood for the Rockets. They don't have a bunch of injuries. You- you're not going to be playing him 30, 35 minutes a night. So-, so that'll help him later in the season as a rookie. Yeah, absolutely. How have the, how have the players, the veteran players, uh, how are they been taking to Gary? Have they been taking him under his wing? People like Chris Paul, James Harden. How are they taking to Gary? I just heard that didn't Chris Paul buy him a, a car like a, Mer- was yeah, a Mercedes or what that. was it? Yeah, he bought him Mercedes. I saw that on was that Saturday night when UC was playing UCF. That was the only good news I saw on Twitter. <laughs> that uh, that uh, yeah, Chris Paul with his agent, I guess, had yeah. gone in and, and bought him a Mercedes for his birthday. Yeah, I mean that tells you everything you need to know. I mean Chris Paul, that guy gets it. I uh, you hear all this BS going around that. Chris Paul is not a great teammate. To me, it's one of the worst narratives in all of, you know, the punditry these days is that, you know, and you would hear, I also saw that from a couple of the players. He still, from what I understand, still communicates with DeAndre Jordan on a regular basis. You know, I don't know, I don't know about him and Blake Griffin. That might be a whole other deal. And, you know, also Blake Griffin, you know, that guy was getting into fist fights with, trainers or I don't know he, Blake Griffin has had you know a few issues yeah he's but, a you know Chris, Chris Paul is super you know he's very well respected and beloved. he seems to be beloved by the Rockets player and he's done stuff both of the last two off seasons he's worked and uh, with James Harden they both worked at trying to develop that chemistry because they both get how much it means to have the chemistry uh, for a team and you know it looked like there wasn't chemistry early on in the season I don't know what all was going on. It might have been the fact that they weren't playing uh, a bunch in the preseason. Uh, it might have been the fact that it might have been the fact that uh, there was sort sort of a, a learning curve without having 
Jeff Bedzelik, who's the defensive coordinating genius that had a lot to do with how well the Rockets did last year as a defense. And, you know, he's now back with the team or is going to be back soon. But, I mean, if, when you look at early in the season, yeah, there was a little bit of concern about chemistry, but a lot of it was just that, you know, Harden was hurt, Chris Paul was hurt, uh, the Carmelo thing wasn't working real well, just as far as he wasn't playing well. I mean, that was hurting, and he was, and he was playing a, a lot of minutes like I was talking about. But also that just that uh, guys weren't making shots. Eric Gordon was just – he couldn't make a shot. I mean, I've never seen him in a slump like that as a Rocket. I mean, for as extended a period of time. He's had slumps for three, four, five games, but it seemed like it went on for, for 10 or 12 games before. Uh, he's, you're starting to see it coming around. I don't even know if it's, it's there yet as we're, we're talking on Tuesday. Do you think Gary has a, a chance of getting a full-time contract instead of this two-way contract that he has? or Because I know his time limit's coming up here pretty soon. If I was Daryl Morey, I, I would be working on not just uh, this year, but you know, doing something that's extended. I mean, I, right now, it looks like this is somebody that Daryl needs to lock up and lock up cheaply while, while he can. You know, I don't know if, if it's something that he has to or you're worried about, you know, him come the off season. But, you know, Daryl's a type that usually, especially you, we see this a lot with second-round picks, he'll try to get them real cheaply for four years. And, and what happens is it's such a cheap contract that they can eat it if it doesn't work out and not get away, not, not be in big-time trouble with, you know, luxury tax or other problems. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's all a matter of how much the players want to roll the dice because if they roll wrong and they say, oh, I want to stay, I, I'll just, you know, hit, hit the market sooner or, you know, some, maybe something will come along that I'm, somebody's going to see me. And, but then, you know, you, you have no idea with injuries or whatever uh, or the fact that, you, you, that that player might just not develop like, uh, like it looked like they were developing. Right. But, you know, to me, Gary Clark, I mean, just everything that you see. I mean, defensively, he looks like he can play uh, against just about any position on the floor. He's got these super long arms. I've compared him to Luol Deng. He reminds me of Deng in that he's not, he doesn't look at times like this super quick twitch guy that's going to drive around people. But, you know, he can get off of his three-point shot. He's got a very high release point. And with his long arms, it's, it's difficult for players to block, which that, that's good, and that's not going to go anywhere. His shot looks like it doesn't have a lot of extra to it. There's not a lot of stuff that can go wrong with the way his form is. So, you know, that's a positive. I also like the fact that um, he just, you know, from everything that I've heard and, and from you guys and from elsewhere, you know, he's got this great background. He's a good guy. He's not a troublemaker. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody seems to like him at every level. And, I mean, that, that's something that is, makes it much easier to invest in somebody like him. Yeah, his character is uh, top-notch. I mean, you know, you, you look at some of the people who have come out of Cincinnati, like a, you know, like a Lance Stevenson, and, and then you look at Gary, and it's just a completely different thing. It's, he, there were stories last year about him visiting a, a girl in the hospital uh, constantly. Um, you know, people on Twitter posting pictures where, you know, all the other players are in the locker room, pretty much the court is empty and he's still out there taking pictures with little kids and stuff like that. It just, he's, an, he's, he's a good guy. And he, I think you guys got a gym in him in, in that aspect right there. Yeah, it, it's exciting. It was, I mean, early on in the season with everything that was going wrong, 
you know, I'm, I'm watching Gary Clark and, and the immediate response was, oh, wow, you know, if they, can get, if they can get everything straightened out, and it looked like a total mess for a few games, but if they can get everything straightened out, I mean, this is a rotation guy that it's like you're walking along the street and, hey, look, there's a $100 bill just sitting next to the gutter. What's that doing there? And, and that's, what, that's what a Gary Clark means to a team like the Rockets that, you know, need rotation players that can play the position that he plays and, and to do the things that he does on, does on the court. Um, because when you're spending the money on Chris Paul and James Harden and Clint Capella and you've got that much invested in all those guys, you just you can't run out and get these role players in free agency that are going to be $10, $12, 14000000 million. You need to find guys that are really cheap like they got with Mabamute last year. And Trevor Ariza, you know, he was making $8 million and for what he did and being a starter and everything that you got from him last year. That was an incredible bargain, and then you saw in the open market, you, you know, he get paid fifteen million dollars this year, and that that, you know, that's not necessarily normal, but also that's the concern because, you know, the young teams might look at a guy like that and go, you know, maybe I find that guy, and and he's not as big a help as that money, but he's also a guy that's so valuable. You know, Reese's a guy that even at fifteen million dollars, it's only a one-year contract. You know, if, if something goes wrong or, or just if they decide to do this, they can take that Ariza uh, deal and at half, halfway through the season, they just trade it. They can get a commodity back for it, and they're not paying the rest of that $50 million. So, I mean, that, that's, that's why Gary Clark's, the Gary Clarks of the world or what they got with Mbob Mute last year um, and with such cheap contracts. And What's Gary Clark making, like $300,000? 385000 Yeah, I think it's like three eighty five. And I'll tell you what we were surprised yeah. about is the and you've mentioned the threes, the amount of threes that he's shooting and actually making in the NBA because we were used to him being under the boards, layups, dunks, you know, all that. He uh, he his four years here in Cincy, he only had fifty four three pointers, and now he has what was what was the number we were looking at earlier, Arian? Nineteen, I think, like nineteen, something like that. So we were we were real confused by that. We kind of wish we would have known that, you know, last year. <laughs> yeah, it might help Cincinnati a little bit, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, Mick, he's a he's a defense guy. He doesn't he doesn't focus on offense too much. Yeah, that's that's rem- Yeah, that is remarkable. And I, I I hadn't looked back at the numbers. I mean, I knew he played mostly at the four and five, but you know, in college basketball these days, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Just like it doesn't yeah. mean anything in the pros. That's that's very true. <laughs> now it's also funny too. You talk about the fact that he's confident with his shot. That was something that he didn't have for nope. the first three years he was here. He wasn't the guy who was commanding the ball really ever until his even his senior year. He wasn't the first option, um, especially when we had you know a Jacob Evans, um, but. It's just he wasn't even confident in shooting the ball, so it's really good to see that he hasn't even been hesitating. He gets the ball and he's just you he know kind of a, kind of a catch and shoot guy yeah. at this point. With the Rockets, the one thing that you don't need to be able to do much with Chris Paul and James Harden and the way their offense works is he doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot, so he's not going to make the, necessarily the turnovers that you would have from a rookie player, but still. The decisions that I've seen him make with the ball, he needs, seems to know where to go with the basketball when he gets it. If he's not open, oh, here, here, I throw it back to James Harden in this situation. I throw it back to Chris Paul. 
or wait, there's P.J. Tucker open in the corner. Or, you know, there's uh, – I see Hartenstein's open underneath uh, with the rotation or whatever. So he seems to um, be making smart decisions with the basketball, too. It's not just, you know, being confident in his shot and the way he's done on defense. I mean, there's just a lot of little things that you, you notice – you know, if you followed the NBA for a long time and you know what rookies look like, I mean, he's just doing all of those things. And, you know, it, it's, it's really exciting because um, it, it's just so hard to find rookies that can you can stick in the rotation that aren't lottery picks or right. middle-round picks or something like, you know, that usually NBA rookies, you, you got to put them at the back of the bench, and now they put them in the G League. Well, now it's ex- that was where I was expecting him to go. I was expecting him to go to the G League. But... Yep. Now, did you know that Gary Clark is a problem? It's a, he's a problem how? No, I did so, not know that. <laughs> so when he was here at, at UC, um, he was known – there was, there was you know, in the, in the days of memes and GIFs and all of that, there was a meme that repeatedly popped up on our, uh, on our Megatron that was Gary Clark is a problem. And the reason they called him a problem is because of everything that you're seeing, all those intangibles, again, because he wasn't a guy who was, you know, put the ball in my hands and I'm going to go score. He was the guy who thrived in getting the blocks, getting the rebounds, getting the steals, and making sure that he was leading the team by his defense more than anything. And he's even said as much in uh, an interview I saw last week when he said, you know, I want to go out there and I want to be the guy who's doing everything else and cleaning everything up that – you know that some of the other guys don't necessarily want to do. It was a nickname that John Rothstein gave him a couple years ago during the, uh, I think it was during the the conference tournament. He just started tweeting, "Gary Clark is a problem," and it just kind of stuck, which it kind of makes it funny that he went to Houston because Houston, yeah, we you have, have a problem. problem. Yeah, my, my, let me just say something about the Houston. We have a problem, and 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 I I don't expect anybody around the country to kind of get how annoying it is but it this this thing has been going on for 24 years and it's, it's <laughs> one of the most annoying things in sports because everybody has to always reference that no matter what's going on with our team that is just it's it's a non-stop thing and it, it you know it's it's old and i guess as a native houstonian like myself one of the big frustrating things is the houston we have a problem it derives from the movie Apollo 13. Right. And of course, the movie is depicting um, the, that mission, the Apollo 13 mission, where you know, yeah, they, they, they had issues with a, sh- a spaceship that was stuck in outer space and that had broken down. Right. And let me just repeat that: a spaceship in outer space had broken down. So the movie <laughs> is about the greatest rescue mission, maybe in the history of mankind, and instead, it's like this. The, the the phrase has become almost this joke of like every time there's a problem going on in Houston, and you know I I, I even wrote something after Hurricane Harvey about a, a little over a year ago, and I, I rarely write you know too much uh, as far as blogging. I mostly do, do podcasting, but um, it was one of those things where I just felt like writing it, and I and I wanted to post it as much for my friends on Facebook and my followers as much as anything about the fact that you know Houston. Um, it's just, we've always known that it's this incredible city and it's the city of, of people that are so mixed. It, it, there's like, it's such a mixture of uh, people from all over the world, but oh, yeah. it's, it's also this city that it's not about problems. The, the thing is, it's about solutions and, you know, whether it's the solutions that we find with NASA or, you know, we have the biggest uh, medical center in the world 
and MD Anderson, the famous cancer research hospital. I mean, this, this city has come up with solutions for all sorts of different things. Michael DeBakey, the famous, uh, you know, heart surgeon and, and the things that, that he changed the world with, with his heart. I mean, there's just been so many things where Houston has been a leader and finding solutions to things. So I, I, I almost, it, it, it almost would drive me crazy because I'm like, no, actually, Houston doesn't have problems. We, we solved them. We have solutions. You know, that's the hard city. We solve, we solve problems. Well, <laughs> there for, you go. For whatever it's worth, he already had the nickname before he got there. Um, but you, it's a good thing in, in Gary <laughs> Clark's case. You can rename him to the solution. <laughs> there, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I'm also curious, and I don't know if he was at this in Cincinnati after the Rockets uh, signed him, but is, is he okay with being the second most famous Gary Clark in Texas? I was going to ask you that question because I I did not know about the number one most famous Gary Clark in Texas until uh, he was actually drafted because I was trying to Google search him and I found that. So I'm not sure that that he even knew that before he went to uh, Cincinnati or before he went to Houston. I don't know anything about any of this. Oh, you don't yeah, know? Yeah, Gary, Gary Clark is a fantastic if people out there don't know. And then there's people out there, like, I'm sure they're listening to this going, how do you not know who Gary Clark is? That guy's a genius. You know, he's one of one of the great uh, uh, guitar players that you know around. You know, he's been on the Grammys. He's fabulous. Uh, I'm a big fan of his, but you know, he's not Bruno Mars or Justin Timberlake. I get it. You know, he's not that quite <laughs> the Lady Gaga or anything like that. But uh, yeah, in, in music, they know him. I mean, the guy's a, a genius, and uh, having the name Gary Clark is is a quite an honor for 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 the gary clark from uh, the university of cincinnati <laughs> yeah he was on um and this is how i know about gary clark um is he was on um friday night lights uh he was playing in in the the auto dealership guy buddy buddy garrity's bar and i remember them him buddy garrity going up there and saying gary clark everyone and i was like <laughs> wait a minute is that the same guy <laughs> yeah gary clark man the guy he's Shared the stage. Gary, this is Gary Clark Jr., the musician with Eric right. Clapton and BB King, the Rolling Stones. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, uh, it's something. If you if you don't know Gary Clark and, and you're a fan of just a, just in general a fan of music, I I'd say go find him on YouTube. Go listen to him because uh, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, what he can do with the guitar is is really amazing. I have him saved on my Spotify. I listen to him in, in the car every once in a while. Now, while you uh, while you have us here, uh, do you have any questions about Gary from us? Um, yeah, I would just uh, I, I would ask um, when when he was at, at University of Cincinnati, was there, there ever the thought that he would come out early? Was that ever something, or it's just you know he's maybe a slow developer? And I mean, why do you think uh, they they didn't? I guess put him out at the three-point range. It's just not not in the coaches, uh, not not in any of the coaches' uh, offense that they that they've uh, employed there. No, they generally kept him underneath. They generally, we had Troy Kilpain, um, we had Jacob Evans, we mm-hmm. had all those guys on the outside. So Jaron Cumberland, Jaron Cumberland. Yep. So we had you know keeping him underneath the basket. It just made more sense. And like I said earlier, Mick is kind of known more for more for defense than he is you know offense so um it's more about the the extra pass yeah. trying to find whoever's open than it is about um everybody just kind of hanging around uh the three-point line with mix offense um 
also, you know, with him, like I was talking about earlier, with him not being confident in the shot, wanting to be the guy with the ball in his hands and kind of being that defensive specialist, um, as the NBA's evolved into a three-point league, it kind of behooved him to stay around and work on that shot. Otherwise, he wasn't ever going to make it to sticking in the NBA as a defensive stalwart. And I think... You know, him not leaving early uh, and going to the NBA, I think, again, that's another byproduct of Mick Cronin. He has a mm-hmm. very good he, – he's very good at convincing players to stick around for all four years to develop their skills um, so they're more, you know, ready for the NBA. I mean, we saw that with um, – Jacob Evans even. He was going to – there was a lot of talk about him leaving a year before he did, and he might have actually lost some of his NBA value sticking around that extra year. Yeah, but we talk about like, Sean Kilpatrick. Mm-hmm. Um you know some of the guys who aren't really in the NBA: Justin Jackson, Troy Copain, who's playing in the G League. Kyle Washington. Kyle Washington. He has a good. He does a good job of convincing guys to stick around for all four years. How's his post-up game? Since we haven't seen it at all here. Yeah, I think he's had one dunk. I saw it on the on yeah. the Twitter sphere. Um, he. It's 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 good. We get excited when he had the ball. Um, there was. Uh, now that's good against college players. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. good against that's NBA true. players. That's true. Um, but. Well, I mean, if, if he's playing um, against a, a player that's uh, he's got a couple of inches on, on him, I mean, do you think the Rockets should feel comfortable with throwing it? I mean, what's his post game look like? Is it is it a fall away jump shot? I mean, is he um, using footwork to kind of get around that guy? Is he is he got a hook hook <laughs> shot? I mean, I want to say it's kind of a little bit all of the above, kind yeah. of a, a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, it, 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 when he had the ball, he really didn't know what he was going to do. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'd say if he, if you ha- if he has some inches on a guy, you should feel comfortable with him under there. Well, yeah, I mean, I just the last thing I just say is, I mean, we're, we are excited about him, and I mean, if you're a fan of him in, in Cincinnati, then you're going to see him come playoff time. Assuming the Rockets don't have any injuries, I think they're, they've got it back on track. If they can just uh, keep Chris Paul and James Harden relatively healthy the rest of the way, um, they should be in pretty good shape. Uh, the Western Conference. To me, it looks like there's a lot of teams that are kind of in the middle outside of Golden State. That's the healthy Golden State, not the one that we've seen in the last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Steph Curry-led Golden State uh, team with, with him and Durant both healthy. But, right. I mean, I'd say you're, you're going to see you're gonna see him in the playoffs um, be playing important minutes and, and regular minutes would be my guess. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be uh, – James Ennis is going to continue as a starter at the three – but, you know, if something happens with James, James Ennis' health or something like that, I, I would assume Gary Clark is the first guy that they're, they're going to want to stick in there because Eric Gordon, they, he can't, they can start him and put him with Chris Paul and James Harden, but I'm sure they would like to keep Eric Gordon coming off the bench and giving them that offensive explosion and another ball handler coming off the bench. Um, and Gary Clark would be the guy that they would stick in the rotation. I mean, I'll be interested to see because um, I, I do not think the Rockets' roster is solidified. Um, so they could still make some deals, add some pieces, add some veterans. But somehow I think Gary Clark is going to be in that mix uh, in the playoffs. I mean, unless they really surprise me and there's somebody that you're just not expecting that becomes available, uh, Gary Clark's going to be in the mix for sure. And we're, see, we're seeing a lot of Isaiah Hartenstein uh, playing backup Senator Clint Capella. And he seems to be improving. He's another rookie that's, um, looking good and doing a nice job as he's gone along. He's the, you see more of the development with him over uh, Gary Clark, but I, I think what, what's going to happen in the playoffs is it's once Capelli leaves the game, 
Um, the typical thing with Mike D'Antoni is he likes small ball. So even if they get another wing defender, I think Gary Clark still plays because the, the odd man out is whoever the backup center, and I'll put that in quotes with the Rockets <laughs> because sometimes the center is a power forward. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ed's already got his uh, Gary Clark jersey. I wore my jersey on Saturday. It should be here on Friday. So you guys got a new fan in me. So he'll have it in plenty yeah. of time for playoffs. The only danger with buying Rockets jerseys is that unless it's James Harden, uh, it, it, you never know who's going to be here for how long because Daryl Morey is not afraid of making a, a deal, and you, you don't want to get too married to guys. <laughs> Well, it was, it was on sale on Fanatics this weekend, so I said I had to jump on it. So, And then I had a, a crazy dream last night that as soon as I got it, he changed his number, so I hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Well, we do thank well, we you. We hope we can turn Cincinnati into like a, a, a Rockets uh, sort of minor hub the way – I mean, I don't know if – it's never going to be the way that, that the Rockets have done with China, but uh, it seems like we picked, we picked up fans from Argentina – when Luis Scola was here and, you know, of course, when Yao Ming was here from China and who knows, but we might have picked up some uh, Nigerian fans with the Kimbe Matumbo, uh, yeah. although they're all probably on the Joel Embiid bandwagon right yeah. now. But, you know, ho- hopefully we'll, we'll get some because since you guys do not have an I – don't, I don't know what the NBA team would be there, but hopefully uh, some of them will be Rockets. But, hey, this, Rockets – you know, it's a fun team to watch, I think. I mean, I hear a lot nationally, ah, oh, the Rockets, it's just this ISO ball and whatever. I don't know how you can't have fun watching Chris Paul and James Harden isolating and breaking down guys off the dribble. I mean, those guys are amazing to me. They sure are. Well, as the uh, season progresses, don't forget you can listen to more of Robert Land. He is the host of Houston Sports Talk Podcast. You can find him at hst podcast on twitter and he also hosts locked on texans robert i gotta say thank you for your time tonight you offered a lot of insight into what's going on with the rockets so uh yeah thanks again yeah thank you and thanks for gary clark